If you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. I appreciate Josh and Emily helping us with an introductory video and my wife giving us comments around Advent. Uh, Advent has not been a part of our tradition. Uh, typically, we're kind of a non-denominational, less liturgical church, and yet there's some real richness to the meaning and significance of all of these symbols. And that's why we like to introduce it, because I think it can help us. But Advent, it's not exactly what you'd think it would be. Um, I mean, honestly, most of us are already into full-blown Christmas mode, (laughs) right? We've done Black Friday shopping. We have all the decorations up. Uh, We've even started listening to Mariah Carey songs. Oh, that's right. We're spiritual. Uh, Amy Grant songs. Uh, you know, we, uh, we've even traded in our pumpkin spice for peppermint mocha. And so it feels like Christmas time to us. But Advent comes and reminds us that we need to slow down just a bit. We need to uh, cool our jets and be still and consider the darkness of a weary world. And experience, even for just a few weeks leading up to the day of we celebrate Jesus' birth, those 400 years of silence and the longing that must have been going on in the people of God, wanting him to speak again, wanting him to reveal himself again. Christmas is, is the joyous reminder of what God has done in first sending his son. But Advent is more of a wake-up call that is coming back. That there are two Advents. You see, Advent, as Donna said, it means coming. It means arrival. It means appearing. And while it certainly points to the birth of Christ when the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, it more fully points to his return when Jesus Christ will come to judge the living and the dead. And that's why this first Sunday of Advent is actually looking more fully at his second coming, at his return. <clears throat> like when Jesus himself warned his disciples in Mark 13, but concerning that day or that hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard. Keep awake, for you do not know when the time will come. It helps me to realize that Jesus is saying these words to those who have been awakened to him. He is speaking to his disciples. They have had an awakening. Uh, They had had an experience with Jesus that is enabling them to follow him and to see as his kingdom is revealed. And it helps me to understand that our awakening, as Josh and Emily said, is not just a one-time salvation experience. It certainly is that. But our awakenings are something that should be ongoing. We should be waking up more fully to him and his purposes on all occasions. And that's why Jesus says to his disciples, be on guard and stay awake. Keep awake. 
And that warning has been given throughout history, down through the generations to every church since then. And so that's why Advent is important for us to take this time and to hear the same warning. Be on guard, stay awake. You can hear these admonitions in what Paul said to so many of the churches in his writings, like in Ephesians 5.4. Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. And in 1 Thessalonians 5, so then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. We'll look more fully at that in a few moments. And also to the church in Corinth, be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. And to the church in Rome, besides this, you know the time that the hour has come for you to awake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. And as if those warnings were not enough, Jesus himself reminds us again in that which was recorded in John's revelation when Jesus said, Behold, I am coming like a thief. Blessed is the one who stays awake, keeping his garments on, that he may not go about naked and be seen exposed. To which all of us should say amen. Nobody needs to see that. And unfortunately, the exposure and nakedness of so many of God's people is out there for everyone to see. Now, most of us really enjoy sleep. Uh, I don't know anybody that doesn't except old men. Uh, we like it. We just don't get a lot of it. Uh, if you're a parent of small children, you would love to have more of it. Good sleep is something we all love. We would love to have it. And there's nothing better than good sleep, right? I mean, I love to, to cocoon myself in blankets and pillows when the room is chilly. You know, maybe a fan blowing, but it's nice and warm inside the covers. And I love to lay there and just close my eyes and drift off to sleep. I hope you're not doing that right now. Paul isn't uh, advocating that we give up on that kind of sleep. In fact, the Bible speaks about godly rest, and I pray that we would have such. He is not promoting mass insomnia. <laughs> he is not asking us to prop toothpicks on our eyes and keep them awake, uh, because that's really just another form of sleeping. Um, he is using a very common biblical metaphor it's a metaphor for sin, which is commonly thought of as sleepiness or stupor. Sleepiness or stupor, as opposed to a right relationship with him, which could be considered wakefulness and sobriety. When it comes to our spiritual lives and the lives of those who follow Jesus, many people who are called to be awake are living a life of slumber. Um, many of us who are followers of Jesus are sleepwalking through life. We, we're just going through the motions, showing very little awareness that Jesus is actually present and active right now, present in our midst, that Jesus 
is here. And he's invited us into this vital relationship. Many people don't see it that way. Now, I mentioned jet lag, and I just have to say it's a real thing. If you haven't experienced it, you should. Phil and I were talking about it earlier. It's, it's real. They tell me that for every one hour of difference from where you've been, it takes about that many days. So if it's eight hours difference in Kenya right now, it takes about eight days to get over sleep, a jet lag. Um, Wednesday, we popped in. We got in on Tuesday afternoon, feeling very excited to be home. And we came in Wednesday morning to meet with Jamie and the boy with the ball team to kind of just have a debrief. And it was a wonderful time. And honestly, I thought, I got this. I feel so alive and I, I was, yes, I was up at 2 a.m., but it, I still felt great. And I thought, this is gonna be a piece of cake. I am not gonna have the typical jet lag that I have had times past. I, I took those jet lag pills. I'm sure that was gonna make all the difference for me. And they did help. But man, oh man, oh man, oh man. About 6 p.m. that night, I crashed and burned. It's like a freight train hit me, and uh, I haven't fully recovered. I, in fact, I don't even know that it's me that's standing here before you today. It may be a hologram. I may be somewhere else in a hidden location. Um, it hit me, and I, I realized that all day Thursday, wonderful to be with family and friends, but I was like in a disembodied state, you know? They were talking, and I was nodding, but I was not comprehending, and it was just like lots of wah, 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 And my grandkids were running around and I'm loving them, but I'm missing as I try to touch their heads. And it's just like, uh, where am I? And I remember after the big full day of wonderful food, family and friends, I sat down in my chair to watch a little bit of the Cowboys game, which I'm glad I didn't finish it. And, and I just crashed and I woke up after the game was over. I completely missed the whole second half of the game. I'm just out of it. And I kind of feel like that that's what the church is full of. A whole bunch of jet-lagged sleepwalkers that are just kind of going through the motions. They're, they're attending church, or not. These days, it doesn't really matter. I mean, you know, uh, yeah, we got COVID, so why should I go and expose myself, right? I mean, I... You know, it's amazing. The Bible says, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. But apparently that's optional in a pandemic year. Uh, see, I jet lag. I'm kind of getting a little snarky right now, aren't I? <laughs> Forgive me. <laughs> but you know, we just go through these motions of just showing up sometimes and not and maybe praying over our meals or maybe not, maybe giving a little in the offering or not. You know, being respectable because we're a good Christian person. But our lives, our true spiritual lives are divorced from true spiritual vitality. And it's like we're disembodied, like a bunch of zombies walking around, pretending and going through the motions, but there's, there's no Zoe. There's no life of God actually functioning in us because we're asleep. Too many in the church are sleepwalking. And we need to wake up. And we're all prone to sleepiness, fogginess. Advent is like a, it's like a jolt to our collective slumber. It's like knocking us around a little bit to wake us up again to his reality and that we can have life in the spirit that is abundant beyond our comprehension. 
He wants to wake us up. Josh said that these awakenings that have happened in him, he has to, God continues to kind of pound him and drill it in and make sure it sets in his life. And that's certainly true. But I think on this first Sunday of Advent, my challenge to us is to wake up. Wake up to what God is doing. Live awakened lives. Engage his purpose. Love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Actually await his return like you really believe he's coming back. Now, I ask you to turn to 1 Thessalonians 5, and we will certainly read there. Verse 1. This is actually a New Testament reading of one of the, one of the New Testament readings for the first Sunday of Advent. 1 Thessalonians 5.1. Now concerning the times and seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you, for you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying, there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. So then let us not sleep as others do. Let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober. Having put on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet of salvation or hope of salvation, for God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. I think it's interesting that Paul lumps drowsiness and drunkenness together. Do you notice that? Uh, and I think he does it for a couple of reasons. Not to say that they're the moral equivalent of one another, but they do seem to have the same effect. Um, first, they both normally happen at night. <laughs> um, for those who sleep, sleep at night, Paul says. And those who get drunk, normally they're drunk at night. Now, under the cover of night, all sorts of bad things can happen. Just ask any parent. That's why we put curfews on our children. We just know it. We know that's when it's going to happen. If it's going to happen, more than likely, it's going to happen in the dark, at night, when it's hidden. So I think that's why he lumps those two things together. But also, I think being sleepy and getting smashed, they lower your defenses and they leave you vulnerable. They expose you to harm. If someone wanted to take advantage of you or let's say pick your pocket, their safest bet would be to wait until you get drunk or fall asleep. Because your defenses have been lowered, and now you're not going to be aware of what's happening. You might not feel, you might not sense it, and so they could take advantage of you in that moment. But if you're awake and sober, 
then you're alert and watchful. Your, your head is in the game. You, you're, you're thinking straight. You're, you're operating as you should. You're aware and sensitive and discerning and you can even be wise. Paul admonishes us to live this way as followers of Christ. With a clear head, alert to everything that's going on around us. Seeing things as they really are, not as they appear to be in a dream, which can be greatly distorted, or in a drunken stupor, which can be even more distorted. One of the reasons I go to Kenya every year, uh, except last year because of COVID, one of the reasons I go to Kenya every year is to wake up is to get a clear head and to arouse myself from my spiritual slumber, my sitting back on my heels, my coasting. You know, I, those students draw out the very best in me. I, I, I teach for eight hours a day for four days straight. And it's exhausting and invigorating all at the same time. They are so hungry. They're like sponges that soak up. They've been given such a thin gospel. And to talk about the gospel of the kingdom that deepens where they are and their foundation, it's literally changed a whole nation. There are over 3,000 pastors and leaders that have been trained by this Bible school, a two, little two-year Bible school that our friend Leroy Curtis started over 30 years ago. But as I drive from one destination to another, I can oftentimes have my driver point out five to 10 churches that the graduates are from KMTI. And it is changing the concept of what it means to follow Christ in the kingdom now and where they're going. And I go not because they're asleep, but because I might be asleep and I want to wake up but I also volunteer with Boy With A Ball and go to Velocity every Thursday and work with a group of high school students. Yeah, old, white, gray-headed guy working with a whole bunch of students that are 14 and 15. You know what I found? It helps me wake up. It helps me be alive and to realize that God, that God is working amongst those kids. And I get to be a part of it and it makes me alive. And the reason my wife and I go to a small group is because I want to wake up. Because I need people in my life that will challenge me and pray for me and encourage me and spur me on towards love and good works. And the reason I have a pastor or mentor that I meet with regularly and just open my life to them is because I want to wake up. Because I want someone that knows everything about me and is willing to love me anyway and willing to challenge me and willing to say, I'll stand with you, but you've got to change and we've got to see God move and we've got to see deliverance and freedom and hope. I want to wake up. And so that's why I give myself to those things. I encourage you in this Advent season to find someone or something that will wake you up. And don't just let it be during this month, but let it be every month of the year, every week of the month, every day of the week. Wake up. Wake up. 
cleared your head, heightened your spiritual sensitivity, forced you to follow the Holy Spirit, not your expected response, but what the Holy Spirit leads you to do. He might actually lead you. The reason that word that was given to us, not just by my dad, the Sunday they prayed for us, you guys prayed for us, but also by a couple of others, that we should expect the unexpected. It was so helpful to have that word because there were a lot of (laughs) unexpected things. And my response would have typically been frustration, anger, um, being out of sorts. But each time it happened, I thought, thank you, Lord. Thanks for the word. It kind of kept me aware. And do you know we saw time after time where those things, the Lord redirected us for purpose, for a conversation that might have needed to happen, uh, for uh, something that was not planned but got brought up and it was the way the Holy Spirit wanted us to spend our time. I got to spend some time with one couple on Monday morning that we weren't even planning to be there Monday. We were supposed to leave Sunday. But the Lord changed our plans and so I was there and so the Holy Spirit directed that time and it was a time for me to be awake and to be anticipating what God is doing. I'll say this, if you're looking for ways to wake up and you choose something that's comfortable enough to fall back asleep or that isolates you from real community or not having the, to exert spiritual muscle, then probably that's not the wake-up alarm you need. You might need to look for something else. Justin Dillahay says, the world is flooded with spiritual narcotics. Satan has polluted the atmosphere with them. The air of this present evil age is filled with enough intoxicating incense to keep us stumbling around in the spiritual haze until either we die or the day of the Lord hits us like a freight train. Some of us are intoxicated by such soul-crushing spiritual narcotics. Others are just asleep, sedated, In either case, we're not alert to what the Lord is doing or awake to the truth that he's coming back and it's sooner today than it was yesterday. Maybe you're intoxicated by greed or by personal comfort or by influence or notoriety. It's time to wake up and live a generous life towards others, preferring one another, loving and connecting with others. Maybe you're sedated by binge-watching Netflix or scrolling social media or some other form of mind-numbing self-medication. It's time to step away from the TV and turn off the device and wake up and live in the wide-open spaces of his glory and grace where you're going with Jesus like Jamie shared two weeks ago. And where you're not your own, but you belong to him, like Patrick shared. And where you're set free to live the abundant life, the foundation that he built you for, on which he, he made you for, like, I mean, like James shared last week. Maybe you're drunk on yourself. Where you're the center of your universe, where every resource you gain and gather is designed to make your life better. Wake up. God made you for more.
Wake up to the reality that his life is better and that this life is but a vapor. And that eternity is infinitely more important and he has purpose for you and real life that is to be lived outside of yourself. Maybe you're in a fog today, sleepwalking through your life, living in your daydreams or trying to escape a nightmare. It's time to wake up, O sleeper. Arise from the dead and Christ will shine on you and in you and through you. Let us not sleep as others do, Paul said. Let us keep awake and be sober. Let us be watchful, standing firm in the faith, acting like his chosen people, being strong in the strength of his might. And let us always be ready to receive him as king, represent him to others, as the king that he is, and wait for his appearing. Amen. Donna's going to come over, pray for you, and then we'll conclude our time today. I think between Jamie's message about preparing him room and then what James and Patrick shared last week, and you this week, I've been KO'd. <laughs> One, two, and punch. Um, wow. Exert spiritual muscle. That, that is living awake. Before I pray for us, I want to read a little bit out of Ephesians 5. Um, Chris touched on this today several times. But this is from J.B. Phillips. As children copy their fathers, as God's children... You should copy him. Live your lives in love, the same sort of love which Christ gives us and which he perfectly expressed when he gave himself up for us in sacrifice to God. The key note of your conversation should not be meanness or silliness, but should come from a constant awareness of God being awake. Once you were darkness, but now you are light. Live then as awakened children of light. His light produces in us everything that is wholesome and good and true. Let your lives be living proofs of these things which please God. Steer clear of the activities of darkness. Let your lives show by contrast how dreary and futile these things are. For light is capable of showing up everything for what it really is. It is even possible for light to turn the thing it shines on into light. Isn't this what happened to some of us? Thus God speaks through the scriptures. Awake, all you who sleep. Arise from the dead. And Christ will give you light. Light for you. Light for others. Live life, then, with a due sense of responsibility, exerting spiritual muscle. I love that. Not as men who do not know the meaning and purpose of life, but as those who do. Make the best use of your time, despite all of the difficulties of the day. Don't be vague, 
but firmly grasp what you know to be the will of God. Let the Holy Spirit stimulate and awaken your souls. Yes. Amen. We're going to pray, and as we do, the Lord is stirring you. I'd like for you just to respond to him as we're singing the song after we prayed. Uh, there'll be leaders up here. I'll be up here. We'll be happy to pray with you. But you respond to the Lord as the Holy Spirit is giving you direction. Let's pray. Father, forgive us for choosing sleep over wakefulness. Forgive us for living a life so much less than the one you died for us to have. And forgive us for consuming your life and light only for ourselves. You came to awaken us to all that you are and to awaken us to a hurting, longing world, the people you came to save, the ones you intercede for. And Father, no matter where we find ourselves today, however mature, <laughs> however broken, yes. however hopeful or not, we can join you and get the full benefit of all that you are. And we can give whatever that is that we have received. There's room for all of us at your table and there's room for more. So Father, I thank you for poking us today, for awakening us again and for calling us to a life of spiritual muscle, of purpose, of growing, of building, of producing, of joining you in your work. Thank you, Father, for your forgiveness, for your faithfulness, for your mission. Bring us to obedience, Lord. Yes. Lord, we live in a world where there's a lot of talk about being woke, being mindful, tolerant, open. Lord, what we want to do is we want to be awakened. We want to be awakened to you. We want you to surge energy through our lives. We want to be strengthened with power by your spirit in our inner beings. That Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith. Yes. We want to be those that are alive unto you and therefore bring life to everyone we meet. Hope, righteousness, peace, joy in the Holy Spirit. We want to be your ambassadors. We want to be awake to what you're doing and, and how you're doing it. And we want to join you. We don't want to be sitting on the sideline asleep. We want to be in the game. So I pray for us as a church community and for everyone that's sitting here today and all those that may be listening. May your Holy Spirit speak to our hearts and wake us up, nudge us, push us 
force us into a place of awareness in a way that we haven't been before. And may the Holy Spirit, who is able to do so much more than what we could do, may the Holy Spirit work in our lives and change our response to you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.